Amen. Aren't you thankful you don't have to fight your battle alone? And, uh, well, a few of you at least are thankful for that. And uh, I don't know about the rest of you. If you're trying to fight them on your own, you are fighting a losing battle, all right? But if you fight with him, you're fighting a winning, uh, winning battle. And uh, if you have your Bible today, go to 1 Samuel chapter number 17. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 17. What great music uh, that we've had today and uh, just phenomenal. I always appreciate our, our worship team each and every week and uh, them leading us uh, to the throne. And uh, I, I believe music's important. And uh, it, it prepares my heart for, for preaching, and I hope that it prepares your heart for, uh, for receiving what the Lord has uh, for each one of us here today. Well, listen, I do want to echo what Pastor David said, that if this is your first time, I met a couple of you for the very first time today. Uh, we always at Union Grove love meeting people for the first time. And uh, so let me encourage you, if you did not do this on your way in, stop by our Welcome Center, and uh, we'd love to uh, get a gift in your hand just as our way of saying thank you for being a part of our services, and uh, we appreciate you uh, being here. Well, last week we kicked off a brand new series on the life of David, on the life of King David, and uh, David is one of my favorite characters in all of Scripture. I mentioned this last week, and uh, but he is just someone that everyone in this room can can relate to at some level. And uh, so many of you, if, you're, if you found yourself just kind of wanting to do something and, and then you do something else, you find yourself maybe even in sin at certain times. Hey, David, he had some struggles, but then he also had some heroic moments in his Christian walk, and he was considered a man after, after God's own heart. And so all of us in here, and we're going to see through this series, can relate uh, to some degree with uh, the life of of King David. And here in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we see one of the uh, most famous preached on passages of scripture uh, that we have uh, today. It's when David fought uh, Goliath. When David fought Goliath. Now, if you're like me, um, you know, I've been kind of thinking through this message uh, this past uh, week, and uh, this is such a familiar uh, passage of scripture. I always go back to when I was a kid, and you know, you're in, in primary church or junior church, kid church, whatever you called it, and uh, you have a flannel graph. How many of you remember the flannel graphs? All right. I don't even know. Are flannel graphs still a thing? Is anybody, are they still out there? And so I haven't been to our kids' ministry in a while. I don't know if we're still using them, but I still remember it's like you would always, you know, go and you would see the, the flannel graph and you'd see this little guy that was David and you put him up there and by the end of the lesson, he'd fallen off the flannel graph, remember? And, um, and then you put the big Goliath. And so I remember uh, that. And so this is going to be a familiar passage of Scripture. In fact, I don't think I have ever preached through as much Scripture as we're going to read today. We are going to read 54 verses today, and so I want you to look to your neighbor and say, get ready, all right? <laughs> Some of you can hardly take it when I preach on one verse, all right? 54 are coming your way, and uh, this is a long story, but there's so much truth uh, for us here in this uh, in this passage in First King or First Samuel chapter number uh, seventeen uh, here today, and and I want to go ahead and, and say this because many of you know this story. So before we jump in, 
the reason that this story is so relatable to you and to me is that here, here's the big truth is we trust and hope in what we depend on or who we depend on. So my question is right up front as we jump in, I want you to think about this question for the next you know, 25 to 30 minutes that we have. Where is your trust or who is your trust placed in? We all, to some degree, place our hope, our trust, our confidence in something or someone. You say, what, what are you referring to? We place it a lot of times in our ability, right? In what you can do. And, and here's the thing, when you place it in just your ability, there comes a day when your ability is going to run out, right? And if that's where your trust was placed in, in you and what you can do, when you reach a point where you can't do anything about your situation, you're left with devastation, right? Because there's nothing you can do about it. That's why we can't place our trust, our confidence in, in us. Some of us place it in our career. Some of us place it in relationships. We place it in a lot of different areas, and then when some of those things spiral out of our control, we're left with complete devastation because our hope and our trust, our confidence was placed in the wrong thing or in the wrong person. So where is your trust placed in? Let's jump right into the story. Uh, verse 1, now the Philistines, they gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together at Shekoa, which belongeth to Judah and pitched between Shekoa and Azekah in uh, Ephesidim. Aren't you thankful for these places? That's why I moved to Lexington. It's easy to say, right? Um, I just didn't want to have to struggle pronouncing my address. And so, uh, and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together. They pitched by the valley of Elah, set the battle in array against the Philistines, and the Philistines stood on a mountain on, one, on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. There was a valley between them. Uh, some say it's a, not quite a mile, that valley, but it, it's a good uh, ways in between the two, uh, two sides. And the Philistines, they were actually living in an area of Canaan, and they were supposed to be driven out. And uh, so you can look at them and just say, these are the, the bad guys of the story, if you would. Verse 4, And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span, somewhere a little over nine foot. Uh, he stood, which is a, a, big, a big guy, right? If I'm picking a basketball team, I'm probably going to look at Goliath and say, hey, I'd like to have him on my team. And uh, he was tall, and uh, he stood above everyone, so nobody wanted to wanted to fight him. And look at what he had on. He had a helmet of brass upon his head. He was armed with a coat of mail, not letters. Okay, there's my dad joke for today, all right? The coat of mail and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass, and he had greaves of, of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders, which, by the way, brass was uh, unique to the Philistines. And, and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. Uh, many think that everything that he had on weighed over 150 pounds. Could you imagine that? 
Like, if you saw me at the gym, I can hardly lift the bar, right? 150 pounds is, is wild, right? And that's what he was wearing. Not only the stuff he, you know, the stuff he was carrying, that's like how, what he had, had on. That's how big, that's how strong. I want you to get the picture that Goliath was a force to be reckoned with. Nobody was looking at Goliath and thinking they had any chance to come out alive against him. Verse 8, And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. This is like representative warfare. In other words, one person from each army fights, and if you win, if that person wins, the whole nation wins. But if that person loses, the whole nation loses. Do you see what kind of pressure was on whoever stepped up to fight? He was fighting Goliath, which was on the looks of everything impossible to defeat. But yet, the pressure of, if I lose in this battle, then all of Israel will have to be servants to the, to the Philistines. Verse 10, the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed. They were greatly afraid. Now David, remember, we learned about David Last week, and uh, he was a teenager, about 15 years old. He was anointed to be king. Remember Saul? Um, God had rejected Saul because Saul uh, had done some things that God did not want. He didn't fully obey God. And, uh, and so da- God told Samuel to go and, and anoint a new king. So he sends him to the house of Jesse. And, and we know they put all the, all the brothers in front of Jesse. And, and, and Samuel passed by and said, these aren't any of them. And there was one left out in the, uh, in the field. And uh, if you were in our service last week, we did eventually find Jesse, if you're wondering, okay? He eventually made an appearance, okay? And, um, but we sent, we sent Jesse, and, and Jesse came back. He had, had David with him. David was 15 years old. He was kind of a runt. He was the youngest of the family. Uh, in fact, I mean, the Samuel, the prophet, comes to the house. David wasn't even invited. He invited all the other kids. David, that's how low he was. He was unqualified. And so we pick it up, verse 12. Now David was the son of the Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah. His name was Jesse, and he had eight sons. And the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. The three eldest sons of Jesse went. They followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons that went to the battle were Eliab, Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three eldest, they followed Saul. But David went, and he returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So this battle's going on, and David's left there. He's just taking care of the sheep, just like he always did. And God's already anointed him to be, to be the king. And there he is in the field by himself, just watching over some sheep, waiting for God to eventually do what he said he was going to do in and through him. Verse 16, in the Philistine, he drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 
days, he would taunt them, and he'd come out in the morning when they're waking up, and he would say, give me a man. Then in the evening, while they're probably grilling s'mores, talking about life, he'd yell and tell them, give me a man. Verse 17, back at the ranch, Jesse said unto David his son, take now for thy brethren an ephah of of this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp to thy, to thy brethren and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand and look how thy brethren fare and take their pledge. In other words, this is just my commentary on this is like Lunchables. You know what a Lunchable is? How many of you have kids that love Lunchables? All right. My son goes through Lunchables like crazy. They're these little square things with some crackers, cheese, and whatever. I'm picturing David with a whole bag full of Lunchables going to battle, right? And, and so he's headed there to, to take them. And verse 19, Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. I think that's funny. They really were just watching Goliath and hoping somebody would step up and fight him. Verse 20, And David rose up early in the morning. He left the sheep with the keeper. He got a um, a, a sheep uh, babysitter, I guess, and, and he headed and took and went as Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight, and he shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his, his brethren. Verse 23, you guys still with me? All right, a few of you. Some, some of you are are dozing off, I believe. Verse 23, And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine. Now this is where it gets good. So if you tuned it out, this is where the story is awesome. The Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. And David, he heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him, and they were sore afraid. The men of Israel said, Have ye seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will. Now this is how desperate Saul was, okay? Saul should have been the one willing to battle this guy. But remember, Saul had been rejected by God. He wasn't really doing that which was pleasing to God at this point. And, and so he should have been, but nobody in the camp would, would step up. And so Saul gets desperate. He begins bribing his soldiers. And, and here's basically what he's told him. He says, the king will, verse 25, the king will enrich him with great riches. Seems like a good deal. Make some money off this. We'll give him his daughter. Okay, you get a princess out of this. For a young guy in army, it's kind of like, what, what better? I mean, you get money, you get a girl, and make his father's house free in Israel. You don't have to tax. You're not going to be taxed anymore. Seems like a great gig. Why is no one signing up for this? It's because it was, a, it was considered a death warrant for them. There, you can't enjoy any of those things if if you're going to, to die in battle, which all of them felt was exactly what would happen because nobody could handle, handle Goliath. Verse 26, And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to that man that killeth the Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? And I love this next phrase. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? In other words, you know what, David? He sees the same guy the same guy that makes everybody afraid, the same guy that nobody in the army would ever go out, David sees something entirely different when he looked at him. 
He looks and says, who does this guy think he is? Verse 27, and the people answered him, after this manning, manner saying, so shall be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, remember Eliab from last week? He was the first guy that came through and, and Samuel's like, this has to be the next king. He looks like a king. Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why did you come down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? Eliab's never cared about the sheep until here. He's mad at David. He probably still had some pride and resentment that David was anointed by Samuel to be king, and they skipped right over Eliab. He says to him, David, I know thy pride and the the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. By the way, isn't it interesting here the opposition that David is facing within the army of Israel? You know, one thing that's always intriguing to me is some of the worst opposition a move of God will ever see comes from within the church. Isn't it, isn't it sad? Because we, we sign up to do things and to, to fight for God and to fight uh, for the name of God and to make His name famous. And, and we're fighting an enemy, a real enemy, that wants to destroy it. And some of the worst opposition that the moves of God have ever faced comes from within, not just from, from without. And here, David, he begins as, he, as he's like, man, I'll, I'll take on this Philistine. The first opposition that he faced was within the camp of Israel. Verse 29, and David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? It's, and he turned from him toward another, spake after the same manner, and the people answered him again after the former manner. When the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, in other words, they reported it to Saul. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. David had all the confidence in the world. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with, with him, for thou art but a youth. Now we know because David wasn't at battle, you had to be uh, 20 years old, Exodus chapter 3, you had to be 20 years old to be in the army there. And so we know his brothers were over the age of 20, so David's still a teenager. And Saul looks at him, he's like, look, you're, you're, just, a, you're just a kid, and he's a man of war from his youth. In other words, Saul said, David, you're a kid, and Goliath has been fighting longer than you have been alive. You stand no chance. Verse 34, David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear. And took a lamb out of the flock. And when I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth, and when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. David begins to tell Saul, listen, when I was watching the sheep, I was by myself, and a bear and a lion came. They tried to, they tried to take my sheep, and they took one. And I could have. I could have let him go and just take that one and protected the own. But I said, no. I went out after the one, and I smote the lion, I killed the lion and the, and the bear. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be just like one of them, seeing he, as he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, if you mark in your Bible, I'd mark this verse, 
the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with thee. So David, he basically says, listen, Saul, I want you to understand, I'm good, but I'm not that good. He's good, and he's going to do the same thing through me. He's going to deliver me out of thy hand. Verse 38, and Saul armed David with his armor, put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also, he armed him with a coat of mail, and David girded his sword upon his armor. He essayed to go, for he had not proved him. David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off of him. He says, look, I can't fight with this stuff on. And he took his staff in his hand, and he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag which he had even in a script, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. The Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine, he looked about and he saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. Goliath looks at David and he says, Really? Really? This is, this is who... This entire army of Israel is going to send this young teenage kid, this skinny kid that was ruddy with a baby face. That's the guy. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me. And I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beast of the field. Pretty intense language. David, I'm sure, was, you know, he's probably looking at him like, what in the world have I done? <laughs> That's some serious trash talking. And so David says, I'll one up your fowls of the air and the beast of the field. And verse 45, he said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to this with something much greater. I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. He says, today, verse 46, today will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. I will smite thee, I will take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beast of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. By the way, if you're a young person and you really want to scare your opponent on a basketball course, you quote verse 46 to them. <laughs> just as you're standing on the court before they tip the ball, you just say, hey guys, I just want y'all to know I'm going to smite you and I'm going to take your head from thee. <laughs> Actually, you probably shouldn't do that. They're going to come to the president of the school and say, you got some wild kids in your school. But David, he, he looked at him, he says, listen, today you're going to be delivered into our hands. Why? So that David could be lifted up? No. That wasn't the reason. David wanted no glory from this. He's about to be a superhero. But David didn't want any of the glory, any of the recognition. He says, here's what's going to happen. All the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Did you know that that's why you're here today? Did you know that the reason that you are here on this earth is so that the people around you and the world around you knows that there's a God in Israel, that there's a God in heaven above? That's why we exist. 
It's not so that you can become famous. It's so that we can make him famous. Verse 47, And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with the sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. He, he says there's really two things that are going to come out of this battle. The world's going to know that there is a God. And the second thing, all the people in this assembly, that's Israel, all the chosen people by God, I want them to know that their battle is the Lord's. And I want you to know, church, that whatever battle you're facing today is the Lord's. And this story proves that he is trustworthy and will do what, he, what he's going to say. Verse 48, And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted, he ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. I love that he ran. He was not afraid because he knew who was with him. David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and, and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling, with a stone, and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. This is where on the flannel graph the teacher would like lay the Goliath down. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine, took a sword, and drew it out of the sheath thereof, and slew him, and cut it off his head therewith. When the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they, they fled. We're going to stop there, but you see the story. It's a familiar story. Nobody in here came and said, wow, I've never heard this story. But I want to go back to the original question of where is your confidence today, and who is your confidence in? You see, David, he was willing to face the giant. He was willing to face a bear. He was willing to face a lion. He was willing to do anything that was in front of him because his trust was not in him. It wasn't in his ability. It wasn't in anything in and of himself. It was because his confidence and trust was found in God the Father. I want you to understand today that there is no need to fear for those who place their trust in God. There's no reason to live in fear for those who place their trust in God. I want to talk about trusting God in the midst of our giants, in the midst of the giants that we're going to face. And you say, why and what will trusting God do for me? I want to give you a few thoughts from this story. Number one, trusting in God gives us a different perspective. Trusting in God gives us a different perspective. Do you notice that way back when David, and he's coming with these bags of food for the army, and he shows up, isn't it interesting that when David lays eyes on the situation, he sees something totally different than the rest of the army of Israel? He didn't notice the size of Goliath, he didn't notice the Philistine army. He didn't notice the armor or, or the weapons that Goliath had. David saw something totally different. And by the way, when you place your trust and your confidence in God and not in yourself, you're going to see life totally different. Some of you, the reason why you live defeated in your life is because you're looking at your ability and you're trusting in your ability. 
Some of us, the reason why all we can see is the obstacle in front of us and we can never seem to get over the obstacle, it's because we're focusing on the giant in front of us and not the God that's sitting on his throne. You see, for some of us, we need to recognize that trusting in God is the answer to give us a completely new perspective on the battle that we're facing today. You see, when everyone else flees, David looks at it like, who is this guy? You see, David, he was placing all of his confidence on who God was, not on what David could do. You see, the reason we struggle in life is because we love control. We love to be in control. I'd venture to say there's nobody in here that just hates control. We all like control. And we got to understand that when things spiral out of control, that's when where your trust is placed in, that's when it's going to shine the most. You say, what did David see that the... Israelites didn't see. David saw the size of his God, while the armies of Saul saw the size of their giant. David saw the size of his God, while the armies of Saul saw the size of their giant. You see, the Israelites, verse 11, they were, they were afraid because of the obstacle in front of them. David had placed all of his confidence in God's character God's provision, God's protection, God's presence, God's strength, God's promises. And he placed all of his hope in who God was. So when he was faced with a giant, all he saw was this giant, he doesn't stand a chance to the God in Israel. And whatever giant you're facing, I know you're not out here saying, man, I got a nine foot six giant in front of me, right? But some of you, you're facing giants. It could be a sin in your life. It could be something that you just can't get over, maybe a, a struggle that you can't get over. It could be a person in your life, somebody that you just can't you know, seem to, to get along with. It could be a relationship. It could be a career problem. It could be something in your ability that you're being asked to do something and you feel unqualified for. It could be a spiritual problem. Listen, I don't know what giant you're facing today, but I want to remind you that you don't need to notice the size of your giant. You need to notice the size of your, your God. You see, David, he overlooked the size of the giant in front of him because he was willing to trust the God that was, that was within him. Listen, there's going to always be giants in your life. But the, our lives are not about the giants. They're about the king of kings the Lord of Lords. And you see, if your life, if you're trusting in Him, there's nothing that is impossible when God is on your side. There's nothing. There's nothing in front of you. You say, hey, God called me to do this, then do it. But th no, there's no buts about it. If God called you to do something, nothing is impossible with Him. Nothing. It doesn't matter how big the obstacle is. It doesn't matter how, how big the giant is. You speak to your giants and you tell them how big the God that you're serving is. You see, that's what this story is all about. David saw the size of his God while the armies of Saul saw the size of his giant. You say, what else did he see? David saw God's protection in the past that gave him the perspective to trust his protection now. God, or David saw God's protection in the past that gave him the perspective to trust his protection now. 
You see, the, David's immediate response was, he, he protected me from a lion. He protected me from a bear. Why on earth would I not think he's going to protect me on the battle with the Philistine? You see, some of us, we can't move on in our life because we're, we're faced with giants at times. And I look to you and say, have you not looked at how faithful and good God has been to you up to that point? Surely he's going to protect us against the giant that faces us today. And whatever giant you have, that's what you got to live with. When you choose to trust in him, you're going to notice that you're going to get a different perspective. You're going to start recognizing how good and faithful he's been to us up to this point. Surely. He's going to protect and continue to be faithful. Let me remind you that God's been faithful to you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Okay, a few of you. Some of you, man. Listen, God's been faithful. You say, has it been easy? No. None of us have had just an easy road. But he has been faithful all the way. And let me remind you that whatever you're facing with, if he's been faithful now, he will be faithful then. He's not going to make a mistake. God can't make mistakes. He's going to be faithful. You see, trusting in God, it gives us a different perspective. David showed up to the battle. He saw something totally different. He saw the size of his God, not the size of his giant. And he saw, man, God's been faithful to me now. He's going to continue to be faithful. Trusting in God, it'll give you a different perspective. The second thing, trusting in God gives us the courage to act confidently. It gives us the courage. Now, we love this story. We love to relate to this story, right? Everybody loves to be David in this story, right? But in most cases, I think if you were honest and I was honest, I think we relate way more to the Israelites. You say, man, they didn't tell me that in Sunday school growing up. I was always David. Listen, I've only been around. Many of you are older than me. I've been around for 36 years. I got saved at the age of five, so I've walked with God for like 31 years. Listen, I'll just tell you right now that in my life, when I face obstacles or barriers in front of me, a lot of times I way more identify with the Israelites than I do David. I'm not the one looking at everything that comes into my life saying, hey, bless God, if he did this in the past, surely he's going to give this into my hand. I don't walk into the door when, when my wife tells me a problem that goes on, I don't walk in and say, surely God's going to smite it. She would not be with me if I talked that way, by the way. But you see, that's not how I always live. And I bet if you look at your life, when life spirals out of control, you probably, if you're honest, relate way more to the Israelites. You look at your giant and start saying, man, that's too big, or that's too small, I'm too little, I'm not significant enough. God would never ask me to do this. God could never do that through me. Let him use somebody else. I'm unqualified. I can't do this. And you start identifying with the Israelites. You see, trusting in God, it gives us this courage that is, that is deep within us, a courage that is not from you, but a courage that lives in the person that lives inside of you. You see, it gives us a courage to act confidently when we have nothing to stand on other than God himself. By the way, let me remind you that God already defeated your biggest giants in life. You say, what was my biggest giant? You see, you were born, everybody in this room was born into this world as a sinner. 
That was your biggest giant. It was the biggest obstacle that nobody in this room could ever muster up enough goodness to ever overtake the obstacle in Goliath in your life, the Goliath of sin in your life. You see, God took care of that giant by dying on the cross in your place. He didn't just die for you, he died instead of you. And you see, he took your place on the cross, defeating the giant of sin, giving you a way to have access to our Father in heaven through trusting in Jesus Christ. You see, here's the point of that. The point is that Jesus, he defeated the giants in your life so that you can courageously face any other giant that comes into your life because of the person living within you. You see, that's the, that's the big idea here. Number three, trusting in God helps us walk with humility. The third thing, trusting in God helps us walk with humility. You say, what does trusting in God do? First, it gives us a different perspective. Second, it gives us the courage to act confidently. Third, it helps us walk with, with humility. Trust in the sovereignty of God. You see, David, he was the greatest king of Israel. Now, Israel saw a lot of kings. It saw a ton of kings, but David was the greatest. You say, why was David the greatest king of Israel? It's because he never confused himself with the one true king of Israel. You see, the reason David was the greatest king of Israel is because he never confused himself with the one true king of of Israel. You see, in our life, you are not the hero of your story. You're not the hero. God is the hero of your life. You see, David's trust, it was not in his ability, but it was in God's ability. If you look back at our text, verse 37, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. You see, David was just looking at, hey, my God's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. He's going to protect me. He's protected me up to this point. Look, I can't go out here and do anything against this Philistine. I'm going to be buried in the ground if I go out on my own. But because I have God on my side, there's no way he can defeat us. And by the way, when God's on your side, you're always in the majority. It doesn't matter what's in front of you. You're always in the majority because he's got this. You see, David's trust was not in his his ability, but in God's ability. David's trust was not in his control, but in, in God's control. David said that no man will defy the name of God. And David was willing to fight for the name of God. You say, what's the point? Familiar passage of Scripture. I want to ask you again, who or what is your trust in? Who or what is your trust in? Let me tell you, there's no fear that you have to live with if God is who you are placing your hope and your trust and your confidence in. There's nothing that can be in front of you that is too great for him to handle. If you're in here today and say, man, all I can notice is my giants, it's probably because you're trusting in yourself and not in in him. Because trusting in God, it's going to give you a different perspective. You're going to wake up each and every day ready to tackle whatever comes your way, not because of you, but because of who lives inside of us. 
Who or what is your trust in? Would you bow your heads with me? I'm going to ask everybody to stand at this time. Everybody all over the room, nobody looking around. I don't want to embarrass anybody in here. That's not my intent. But I want you to think about that question. Who or what is your trust in? If you want courage like David, if you want the ability to see life through a a different perspective, the ability to look at, you know, the size of your God more than the size of the obstacles in front of you. If you're in here today and you say, man, that's what I want. I want a different perspective. I want to act with courage. I want to live with humility. If those are the things that you want, the way to achieve all of those things is by trusting in Him and placing your confidence in Him and His character, not in you and your ability. Say, Pastor Josh, I'm in here today and my trust is not where it needs to be. My confidence is more in me than it is in God. Listen, this is a safe place. You can be honest with me. You can be honest with with God. Today, you say, Pastor Josh, I need to work on where my trust is placed in today. Would you look at me? Make eye contact with me. Several people are looking at me. Sweet, I see that. Thank you for your honesty. I see that. Listen, I'm going to pray for us. And if you say, man, that's me today. We have up here an altar. This is where I believe a lot of things happen. A lot of life change happens. I want to encourage you to to come forward and to make a decision. And you can make a decision right where you're at here today. But I want to encourage you to respond and place your trust, your confidence in Him, His ability, and who He is, not in you. Father, I love you. Bless in this invitation time, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. If God speaks to you, you can come and do business with God.